Intercom wants more than nice people visiting your website to give you money. So they took that little chat bubble in the corner of a website and packed it with automatic meeting booking, data capture on leads, conversational bots, and more. Intercom user Elegant Themes added Intercom to their site and now converts 25% of leads through live chat. Go to intercom.com slash deals to jump on customer intent in the moment. Then see everything else Intercom can do. That's intercom.com slash deals. Welcome back. You're riding along the surf with all of us here as we grab a board and swim out of that vast sea of ideas over here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. But for those of you grinding it out, hitting your number, trying to hit your number, and uh, thanks for joining us live in the middle of your workday on the Funnel Media Radio Network. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, past, present, and future, always available at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in sales and marketing, and today is no different. We are continuing EO month, apparently. We had the uh, we had an EO, an entrepreneur organization member, and the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK last week, and today we have the co-founder, CEO of Guidance Financial, Dave Nilsson, joining us today. Dave, thanks so much for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to have you on the show. I've wanted to get you on for a while to talk about a number of topics. And, you know, last week we talked an awful lot about entrepreneurism and talked about just sort of the the tenacity it takes to just be a, a professional, but also be an entrepreneur. You have been doing this for a very long time. You know, you've, you've written your own book, Making the Jump into Small Business Ownership, which would encourage people to check out. But really want to spend tonight I want to just get into a conversation here with Dave Nelson from Guidant Financial. They've been around for almost 16 years helping small businesses grow with uh, financing options. And they want to talk a little bit about sort of your entrepreneurial journey, you know, before we get into sort of how you have built a sales and marketing engine. You know, what was it about this topic that was a passion for you? And just give a quick story of sort of where you started and how you've gotten to this point today. Sure. Um, well, mine, like many entrepreneurs, was uh, accidental. So I was developing real estate here in Washington State. And had an opportunity to raise some additional funds. And as I was talking to an attorney one day, she suggested that I look at self-directed IRAs or retirement plans as a way to help people invest in real estate. And through a process of exploration and discovery, realized that not only can people invest retirement assets in real estate, but they can invest in things like small businesses and private mortgages and tax liens. And so we actually initially launched Guidant to help people do that, invest in alternative assets. Over time, though, what happened was my co-founder and I realized that we weren't really as passionate about those alternative investments as we were the businesses themselves. And so in the course of sort of figuring out what our model was going to be and connecting with our customers, we realized that the real gap in the marketplace was in helping individuals who were looking to buy or start a business and needed between about a hundred K and a million dollars to do that. There was a real gap in terms of them being able to access capital. And so in addition to helping them use retirement assets, we've built an SBA capability and unsecured credit. And so we sort of evolved as we went from more traditional or, or alternative financial services to really a small business financing uh, organization. But it was it was accidental. I actually have in my office here a piece of paper, and they say people start businesses on the back of a napkin. I've got a drawing, and that was really our initial business plan from the get-go. That's fantastic. And one, one thing that stood out to me in that conversation is something I know a lot of people face either in their businesses or in their career, and it's the idea of a pivot, right? The idea that you see an opportunity and sometimes you, you, know, you move from what you were doing to something different. I think in hindsight, those successful pivots always look like a slam dunk. In the moment, they're not always a clear-cut choice. Could you talk a little bit about that moment of vaping that pivot and sort of what you had to go through 
just sort of mentally to do that. And I think I'm thinking about that, not just for those, you know, that might be entrepreneurs or thinking about stepping in on their own, but people that are you know, looking at their own even sales and marketing careers and facing an opportunity that isn't certain that it sometimes is scary. Yeah, I always love how we talk about it as a moment of time. Like there's this moment where you pivoted and everything changed. The reality <laughs> right. is when I talk about the fact that our business shifted, that was a five-year process. So it's something that, you know, like you start to see, hey, this doesn't really connect for me. And I'm wondering if this is the right path for us. And then over time, what we saw is that we were investing more and more time and energy in the small business component of our operation and less and less in the alternative asset. And so you start to see these resource conflicts that came up within the business. Those that were working on the real estate side were, you know, concerned that maybe they weren't getting the time and attention. And so eventually we divested it. We sold that portion of the business to a company who wanted to continue to grow and expand in that area. And that would ultimately be best for our customers, best for our team members on that side. It would give the existing organization, the remaining organization, a chance to focus in on who they really wanted to serve and who we wanted to be long-term. You know, I'd like to say that it was a moment in time, but the reality is it was a long, painful decision because you're talking about people, you know, your clients, your employees. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, you have this sort of emotional attachment to this thing that you're building. Not easy. No, not easy at all. And I think we would probably spend the whole show talking on the concept of pivot as a process, uh, which I think is something that a lot of people that have been through that, both successfully and unsuccessfully, can talk about. But I, I want to cover today, and we talked before, you know, as we sort of talked about what the all the different topics we could cover in this conversation, I want to talk about the sales and marketing engine you have built. As like a lot of people, you start the business, you start to figure out what are people looking for? What does our sales process look like? And as you've grown the business successfully over the last 16 years, you really have developed an engine for growth that not only is supporting your growth, but your growth goals, but also you're doing it without making cold calls. You're doing it without having to do a lot of you know complicated and sometimes just, just frustrating outbound selling efforts. So wanted to talk a little bit about sort of how you came to that process and sort of how you've been able to sort of systematize and scale that. Yeah. Well, let me start by just talking philosophically. Philosophically, uh, and no offense to those that are listening to this podcast, but in general, I hate being sold. There's a stigma in general with, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, but with salespeople, because I personally don't like going through the process of trying to be sold. And so when we designed our system initially, you know, I was, you know, chief cook and bottle washer because when we started this thing, it was just two of us and I was the one that was focused on sort of developing and generating our revenue engine. And so I had to build a system that allowed me to play to my strengths, but also felt like it was the right thing for our clients. We were fortunate in that we started this business at a time that our industry was a little bit immature, just there wasn't a ton of competition. And so we had the benefit of having a lot of potential interest and not a lot of competition for those individuals. And so the things that I tried to do was make sure that we were providing good information to the marketplace, that we were meeting people where they wanted to consume that information. So we're providing in lots of different ways and then making it easy for them to engage with us. And so that system was sort of built under the premise of, of making it simple for people to engage and, and not having them feel sold. So, you know, we are a financial firm, so we are helping people look at ways that they can capitalize a business, but we try to take more of a care and empathy approach than a clinical one. I've heard a lot of people characterize that approach in different ways. And one of the ways I've heard that is, you know, you're not selling, you're helping. 
I'm curious how you think about that moment when you do, in some cases, even if you are providing value to someone, even if you're sort of sort of coming to a mutually beneficial agreement, when even when you're sort of enabling some outcome they care about, there's still as part of that is the moment of getting a close, right? I mean, I, I assume you're not just waiting for them to, on their own volition, say yes. Even as we sit here on the last day of January, I'm sure you are staring at a dashboard and hoping to hit a certain number and not just hoping and praying it happens, but also putting things in place to compel people to make a decision now versus next month now versus later. How do you bring those together? How do you provide a very customer-centric, you know, benefit outcome-oriented process, but still manage to close? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good question, and it's one that I think we struggled with for a long period of time. I can tell you what works for us, and that is taking a little bit longer perspective. So, for example, a moment ago, you made the comment about me staring at a dashboard. Well, we actually work off quarterly targets uh, and quarterly plans versus monthly ones, because I personally wasn't a big fan of every single month us having these real big ebbs and flows in terms of our energy and effort and sales and it just put extra stress on the team. And so we built our uh, sales engine to have a little bit longer perspective. In addition to that, we wanted to make sure that while we provide lots of potential services that our compensation strategy doesn't cater towards one of those products any more than the others. And so we wanted to make sure that people could be objective about what they are suggesting a client consider. The other thing that I would say is that the way that we generate our business is with a lot of sort of inbound marketing tactics. And a big part of that is our channel. Right now, about 50% of our business is either coming from customer referrals or channel referrals. It's a big number. And so we have to take really good care of those customers because word travels fast. So for us, you know, we've tried to take that long view, make sure that our internal practices and plans certainly support that, and then make sure that, you know, we understand that we are serving a base where our reputation is going to either enable or disable our ability to Grow. Talking today on Sales Platform Media with Dave Nielsen. He's the co-founder, CEO of Guidance Financial. And real quick, before we have to take a quick commercial break here, you know, we talked about the machine you guys have built from a sales and marketing standpoint. And you know, one of the metrics you guys look at is appointment set. So not just sort of those inbound leads and inbound requests, but the number of appointments you get set to sort of move things along. Talk a little bit about how you think about how do you characterize appointments to make sure that those aren't just sort of a you know, it's not just a number that the sales team is hitting, but something that the prospect themselves is enthusiastically signing up for and committing to as well. Yeah, so I'll take, um, I'll try and do this really quickly. We can dig in after the break if we need to, but you know, we generate a tremendous amount of leads on a monthly basis. And so we have to be very careful who we are spending our time with. And so we have a team of individuals who spend their time uh, calling down on these people that have inquired about the stuff that we do and try and extract a little bit of information to understand whether or not we are potentially a good fit. About half the time we realize we're actually not a great fit. And so it's both in our interest and this prospective small business owner's interest to give them resources to help them continue their search and maybe get where they want to go, but recognize that we're probably not the right company to do that for them. Those that do, though, qualify in, meaning that we think we could potentially be a good fit, then we set these appointments. And so the appointments then are more of a deep dive where we're really giving our gold and educating the client on the ways that they can capitalize their business, because this is a very high-stakes transaction for individuals, arguably the largest investment that they will make in their lifetime. So it is not a sales process. It really is an educational one. So they're excited. Love hearing that. Something to, there's something yeah, to gain from it. That's awesome. I, I think that's the only way you can do it and do it successfully is when, you know, if, if you set an appointment with someone and that day comes and they've got, you know, other fire drills and things that they're supposed to be doing, if they don't know why they're setting up to that appointment or what they're going to get out of it, it's a lot easier just to blow it off. But if they know they're going to learn, they're going to get some insights, they're going to get some value. 
they remain committed to the process and the appointment. But we got a lot more coming up here with Dave Nielsen, the co-founder and CEO of Guidance Financial. We're going to talk about the content strategy they've put together and how that's been so successful helping drive their inbound leads. We're going to be talking about internal culture and why that's so important to, to building a successful sales and marketing engine and why it's been so important to Guidance. We'll be right back after paying a couple bills here. This is Sales Pipeline Radio. What does insight-driven messaging look like for sales? Like a whole lot more deals, fast. Jump on high-intent leads in the moment with Intercom, the business messenger that extends the reach of your team 24-7. Intercom creates more opportunities for you by booking meetings and collecting data from leads automatically. Take Intercom user Elegant Themes. They now convert 25% of leads through Intercom's messenger. Deals don't wait. Get them with Intercom. Go to intercom.com slash deals. That's intercom.com slash deals. I want to continue our conversation today with Dave Nelson, the co-founder and CEO of Guidant Financial. And I want to get to some of your content in a minute, because if anybody that's listening that is an entrepreneur or working in a small business, you know, whether or not you're looking for funding has an awful lot to learn from the content you create and will point some of that out in a minute. But I want to talk about culture because I think, you know, that topic we're going to cover next week with Alex around, you know, hitting the number, but doing it the right way, I know is a big focus of yours with your your co-founder and partner, you know, winning best places to work, I know is a huge source of pride for you. Talk a little bit about the importance of culture and what you've done to build uh, a culture that facilitates the sales success and growth that you've seen. Yeah, well, I mean, I say this to nearly every single uh, new team member that we bring on. My personal belief is you spend more time at work than you do with your family. So you better enjoy what you do, believe in what you're providing to a market and enjoy the people that you work with. We work really hard to foster a culture here that is passionate about the entrepreneurs that we serve, wants to invest in the community that we all sort of live and work in every single day and ultimately make a difference in the lives of you know these people that are starting businesses and creating jobs taking ownership over their own life. So it's very important because I would take personally someone that's a great cultural fit over a great skills fit any day. Well, and I love if you, if you check out, you know, the, the guide and financial page, just even on LinkedIn, you see a lot of great examples of sort of the investment you've made in your people, the growth you've put into not just the growth of the company, but also in new markets. Uh, you know, just recently, I think it was just earlier this month, you guys launching a new new office in Boise, Idaho, Idaho, and really contributing to a number of different markets and providing jobs and great cultures for a lot of people. What you also see on that LinkedIn page are a lot, is a lot of the great content you have. You can just scroll down and you see topics on, you know, the top five startups of last year and what you can learn from them. You see, you know, the value of hiring with emotional intelligence. And there's a wide variety of content. And I set this up somewhat, not facetiously, but it is not about funding. It doesn't go right for the throat and say, would you like to, you know, expand your business? Can we provide you funding? You you clearly have put a focus on your content strategy on providing a wide variety of value-added content for your target. Can you talk a little bit about the strategy behind that or how you've been able to successfully convert that into pipeline and new business? Well, let me start with our content strategy and sort of some of the core tenets behind that. I mean, if you look at the vision that we have, our vision is to increase the number of people that succeed in small business. It has nothing to do with helping them access capital, giving them money. That's a catalyst to the reason they come to us. They come to us because they want to open a business. They want to take 
control over their lives and their their financial futures and invest in themselves that's why they come to us and so you know for us the way that we serve them and the way that we generate value per se in that is by helping them access capital but where we can best serve them is by educating them and helping them understand ways that they could be more successful as a business owner it's also a way that we reach more of these prospective entrepreneurs and start to nurture them over time is by providing them great content so just like you pointed out there we want to make sure that we're covering the gamut of issues that affect small business owners not just the thing that is self-serving and that's an intentional strategy right to be able to sort of build some value and as part of that knowing that some of your prospects that are highly qualified as prospects just aren't ready to buy today talk a little bit about sort of that top of funnel strategy and how it relates to the timing of when people may or may not you know be ready to engage in sort of a an actual purchase decision or at least purchase process well it's funny so we survey our customers every single or sorry our prospect every single year and we ask them the question where are you at in your process blah 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 we do the same thing with our customers and what we find from our customers is the number one reason they bought a business is because an opportunity presented itself now that's pretty that's pretty interesting because we generate thousands of leads per month a significant number of them won't move forward right away and so what that means is that they're thinking about this they're open to the idea but they haven't found the right opportunity for us we sort of play the mortgage professional role in a real estate transaction so somebody could be looking online at redfin or zillow they could be working with an agent but they don't actually need to really get a mortgage until they found a transaction right a deal to do and so for us as people are starting to think about this and dream about it they start searching the web looking for information and so this is part of our acquisition strategies to provide good, relevant, credible content to the market that helps move them towards a transaction over time. And of course, once we've had an opportunity to capture a little bit of their information, then we certainly make sure that we continue to keep our information in front of them so that when the time is right, our hope is that we've established a level of trust and credibility with them that they'll want to engage. Love it. Just have a couple more minutes here with Dave Nelson, the co-founder and CEO of Guidance Financial. We've been talking about you know the key components of building a, a scalable you know sales engine. And part of that is the people themselves, not just the culture you provide for the organization overall, but the very people you hire to begin with. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the attributes that you look for in a successful sales rep as you continue to scale your inside sales team? You know, you, you may be looking for experience, but what are the components or attributes of new sales rep that you've seen that most lead to success in your organization? Yeah. So when I'm doing uh, interviews with our sales professionals, there's really, I don't know, four to five attributes that I'm, I'm personally looking to assess. Certainly, I want to understand, like, do they have some experience? Have they seen success in the past doing this? But the things that I really care about is, are they a learner? You know, what are they doing to stay sharp on sort of modern practices? How are they continuing to stretch and grow themselves? Uh, the second is, I actually try to find a way inside of that to role play so that we can actually do some live coaching because coachability, in my opinion, is one of the greatest keys of success for someone who's going to take on a sales career. And then, you know, knowing that Guiden is a dynamic and evolving organization, one of our core values is adaptability. We need people who are willing to sort of roll with the changes and adapt as we try and fail and succeed in various ways. And then the uh, the fourth is a level of humility, understanding, you know, who they are and where they're strong and where they need support or where they can get better. And the final one is just a 
passion for entrepreneurship. No matter where you work, as good as the culture can be, as fun as it is, sometimes it actually does feel like a job. And so you've still got to be passionate about the role that you play and the customer that you serve. So those are the things that I look for when I'm talking to potentially hiring someone in a sales capacity. Well, that's a great list. And I think, um, you know, I think oftentimes, especially when people look for sales reps, we look at their past experience. We want to see that they've been successful selling somewhere else. And as for those that have built and run sales organizations, you learn the hard way that just past experience does not mean they're necessarily going to be successful in your industry, in your culture, in a different environment. So I think those attributes oftentimes are better indicators of whether someone's going to be successful and, and scale and grow in your business. Well, just to, almost out of time here, but I want to ask you one final question. I think you mentioned, you know, one of the attributes you look for in new hires is you look for people that are hungry and people that are lifelong learners. Yourself as a learner, and I know just, just knowing you left through EO, you know, you continue to be a voracious learner. You read and you always want to learn new things. Who are some of the people that stand out in your learning experience and your history of learning? People that are either authors or mentors or past managers, you know, they could be alive or dead. People that, you know, you might recommend others listening to the show look for and keep an eye out for or seek to get some guidance and learning as well. Sure. Well, uh, a couple people come to mind right out of the gate. So one is a gentleman named Lex Sisney. Lex was the uh, founder of Commission Junction. He wrote a book called Organizational Physics, the Science Behind Growing a Business. So he takes rules of science and applies them to growing a business. I love his concepts in, in terms of how he thinks about product development, designing the sort of organizational structure and some of the processes that you can implement in order to run a business more efficiently. So for your listeners out there, uh, Lex Sisney is probably the single greatest mentor that I've had in my professional life. The other one that I would just say is one of the books that I subscribe to, the concepts, and just personally feel like a lot of our business is designed around is uh, the Toyota Way. So the purpose of using lean methodology to learn fast, not launch fast, is something that we try to live every single day. So those are two, one person and uh, one resource that I think anyone who wants to learn about what it takes to own and operate a small business would find really, really interesting. And I think there's a lot of concepts that apply to um, those that want to remain in a revenue-generating role. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for that. We will put links to those resources in our show notes and in the uh, uh, blog post we put up on this as well. So if you liked what you heard today from Dave Nielsen on this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, we will have this entire episode, of course, up available on demand at salespipelineradio.com in a couple of days. We'll also have a summary of this conversation up on our blog at heinzmarketing.com along with links to the Guidant Financial webpage. You can see more of their content strategy firsthand as well as some of the resources Dave's recommended uh, that have been influential to him. So thanks so much, Dave, for joining us today. We will be back next next week uh, with more from deep in the heart of the upper Midwest in the hopefully not quite as cold polar vortex, but very excited for our conversation with uh, Workfront CEO, Alex Schutman. We're out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. For my great producer, Paul, this has been Matt Hines. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio Network for outwork listeners like you. Brought to you by the good folks at Matt Hines and Matt Hines Marketing.